We are getting into the fifth sermon in our series, Consumer or Consumed. And you by now know that the object of our worship is Jesus. He is the object. He is the only audience. What we did today was all for Him. It wasn't for you, right? You were worshiping. You were lifting your hands. You were adoring Him because He is worthy of our praise. And we've understood that there's a battle between our will and God's will being done in our life. And God wants to win that battle. He wants you and I to submit our wills to His so that He can be glorified. We've understood through this series that our life is an act of worship, right? He wants us. He doesn't want us to do worship, but He wants us to be worshipers. God has called us to be worshipers in everything we do, in every attitude of our heart, with every word we say and every thought that we think. That's what God wants for each and every one of our lives. And so, if you're interested in the manuscript from today's sermon, you can go to info at bridgechurch.cc. Uh, if you want to tweet something, uh, you can do it with the hashtag consumer or consumed. And also, if you have the Bible app on your phone, if you have the U version of the Bible on your phone, you can go and enter into that. Go down to the bottom right-hand side and click more. And then go to events, and then it will bring you to the Bridge Church, and it will identify that you are right here this morning, and you can find the notes for today's sermon right there. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at worshiping when it doesn't make sense. Worshiping God when it doesn't make sense or when we, don't, we can't fathom how we could possibly Worship. Are there, are there days that you get up on Sunday morning and you know, okay, I'm in the routine of, of going to church, uh, and today I just, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever ridden to church with your family and you know nobody was feeling it because y'all were, you know, and you get in the parking lot and somebody in the car, usually it's mom who says, all right, we're at church now. Y'all need that like something, you know. And you get out of the car and everybody's fine and then we go through worship and then we get back in the car. And what do we do? Oh, glory, hallelujah, it was a wonderful... Now, let's pick right back off where we left off because we're mad and we got a point to prove. Sometimes we just don't feel it. Sometimes we just, you know, there are days we don't feel like praying. There are days we don't feel like reading our Bible. There are days we don't feel like worshiping. It's not that we don't love God, but maybe we're just having a bad day. Maybe we're just in uh, just a tough time. Anybody ever been through kind of a, a funk, just a, a rough time in your life where you're, you're praying and it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and they bounce right back down. You're in a very dry season in your relationship God. Well, we're going to talk today about what it means to worship when it doesn't make sense. What it means to worship even if you're not feeling it. I love my wife. And I express that to her every day 
by things that I do and by things that I say, by the fact that I get up and go to work every morning. But I, I don't always feel it. She's running lights in Goldsboro. My kids are here, though, so they can tell on me. She doesn't always feel it either. There are mornings that she wakes up and she goes, ah! instead of looking over and going, man, I am the luckiest woman on the planet to be married to this guy. Woo! You know, am I the only one out there that is like that? We, it's not about, and here's my point, it's not about what we feel. It's about what we know. It's about what we've committed to. It's about a standard that we have said we will set in our life and we're going to live in accordance to that. Pastor Andrew told a story uh, this Thursday night and I wanted to share it again. I thought it was really good. He said he met a guy uh, who was a member of the North Carolina Symphony. He played the violin and he went up to him and he's like, man, you were awesome. You did so good. You know, there's a difference in a violin and a fiddle. <laughs> he played the violin. And he said, you are so incredible. You, you play that thing beautifully. He said, how often do you practice? And he said, every day. He said, if I miss a couple of days, I know it. If I miss a week, my friends know it. But every day I try to practice. And, and Pastor Andrew said, man, you must love the violin to practice every day. And he said, no. He said, some days I, I don't like it at all. And some days I love it. But I practice no matter how I feel. I practice. I put into practice that which I know I need to do. And how many of you know that we have those days we're just not feeling it? I talked to a woman this morning before I came here uh, at, at the Princeton campus and she's going through a whole lot and and she said, you know, God has brought me to a place, a really, really good, healthy place since we've been in this sermon series because she's been going through a lot personally, going through a lot with, a, with an ex. And um, she said, you know, we would sing that song, Good, Good Father. And I would think, maybe to y'all, I'm not feeling it. Now that's honesty, isn't it? We can do something with honesty. God can do something with honesty. But she said, even though I wasn't feeling it, I knew I needed to press in. And I knew I needed to trust God. My circumstances said do something completely opposite. But I knew that I needed to honor God with my life. So I did. And see, this violinist and, and others that I have met in my life, they give me hope. They give me hope that I don't have to always feel it to honor God in living my life in such a way that I worship Him with my life. I'm telling you, it's a greater act of worship when you're not feeling it. It's a greater act of worship to get up and say, man, I'm pressing through. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but God, I'm pressing through. Rick Warren uh, gave an illustration one time about uh, peaks and valleys. And I, I like this illustration. He said, you know, uh, oftentimes we see life as, as peaks and, and, and then valleys. We go through these high times in life and we have these low points in life. 
Would you agree with that? You have some high points and low points and things like that. Well, he likened it to a, a set of railroad tracks. That there are good things that happen in our life and there are bad things that happen in our life. And most of the time, they kind of happen in conjunction with one another, don't they? we got good stuff going on and bad stuff going on at the same time. Is everything in your life bad? No. There's good stuff in your life. But is everything in your life good? Is everything, you know, just peachy and all roses and everything's wonderful? Not always. Now, my mom wants me to believe that. I'll call her and say, hey, Mom, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I called her the other day. I said, Mom, how you doing? I'm doing great. A week later, she said, well, I kind of had shingles in my eye, but I was all right. What? I didn't even know that was possible, but she had it. But she wouldn't tell me because she wanted everything to be good. Everything's always good. Everything isn't always great, right? And I, this is not a downer sermon. What I want you to understand is there's a supernatural aspect to living your life. And that we have to trust God and we have to believe God because when we worship God, even when we are not feeling it, it is not a natural response. It is a supernatural response. It is something God has to work in and through our lives. And that's what I want you to remember. I want you to look through those lenses this morning as we talk about this in the brief moments we have left. I want you to understand that everything that I'm about to share with you is supernatural. It's something that God has to work in you. It's something that God has to work in me. I'm not capable of this in my own strength and in my own power. So when we think about going through tough times and, and, and having those moments when things just feel like they're just not clicking, they're not working, and I'm just not feeling it. I think one of the greatest illustrations in all the Bible of a guy who went through that particular kind of time in his life and was able to not just survive it, but thrive on the other side of it was Job. And I'm, I'm going to share, I want to read a little bit of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can look, look into the life of Job. You can read it yourself. But I do want to read... Some of the first few chapters, and I made a mistake of not bringing my glasses today, so I'm going to have to get very far away from this to read, to read it. Yeah, no, my arm isn't long enough, so quit asking. Um, <laughs> there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Job was a man who feared God. He honored God and he shunned evil. He lived his life in such a way... Then in everything he did, he wanted to honor God. So how, how did God respond to that? He had seven sons and three daughters. They were born to him. And all of his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their house each of on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. 
For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And so I want to make sure that we make the sacrifices we need to make. Then the Bible says that the enemy comes to God. And the Lord said to Satan, Satan came to him. Well, let me just read it to you. Now there was a day. When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, a blameless, upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not given him all this stuff? You put a hedge around him. You've made him wealthy. You've given him all these things. Of course he's going to serve you. Of course he's going to honor you. Every day of his life is good. Why wouldn't he serve you, he said. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He said, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then it says this. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house and a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding and the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. So we're sitting here and we're plowing and we're doing our thing and all of a the sudden they come and they, not only do they kill the oxen, but they kill all the servants except me. And while it is still on his lips, it says, another also came and said, fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 17 says, anybody know what it says? While he was still talking. You ever watch ESPN? Come on, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So not only have we just lost all this, we've lost our donkey and oxen, we've lost our sheep to fire. Now a man's coming to me and he's about to tell me the Chaldeans have come and my camels and servants are gone. And I'm the only one left. And guess what? It doesn't end there. One more time. While they're still talking. You ever felt like that in your life? Have you ever felt like while they were still talking? While they were saying, man, here's bad news. While I'm getting the bad news, here's something else happens. I just had three flat tires and I got it on the highway and now my transmission's falling out of the bottom of the thing, you know? And that insult to injury, I pull it over on the side of the road and I get rear-ended by a pickup truck and... Somebody ran over my dog and you know, I don't know, whatever else would happen. 
But while they were talking, and then, then the news that was the toughest, the news that I would think was harder than anything that he heard, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came. It blew the walls in. I alone have escaped to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. That's a bad day. That's a bad... Yeah, you may think you've had a bad day. We ain't never had a bad day like that day. But his day ain't over yet. But he has that kind of day. And we say, Lord, how does it make sense that this man could worship in the midst of that trial. But verse 20 says, Then Job arose. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground. And he worshipped. He worshipped God. Why? Not because it was in him. Not because it was natural. Remember what I said? Our response to things that don't make sense in worshipping when it doesn't make sense. Is that natural or supernatural? Supernatural, right? Supernaturally, in the midst of his trouble, Job was able to accept it. He was able to accept the trouble that he faced. And that's the first thing I want you to see here today. And you're like, what? I'm not talking about giving up. I'm not talking about giving in. I'm not talking about adopting a victim mentality and saying, well, that bad things are just always going to happen to me. No, 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 no. I want you to reject that kind of thinking because that's thinking thinking, okay? That's giving up thinking. But the reality is bad things do happen to us, don't they? And we have to understand that. My granddaddy always said if you own the car, you own trouble because you're going to have to fix it one day. If you own anything, you, do, you, do you live in a house? You ever have to fix anything in the house? You own a, well, they don't make TVs much to repair anymore. You pretty much have to just go buy a new one when they tear up. But anyway, do you, you understand what I'm saying? It's not about giving up, but we do understand that that kind of thing does happen. But Job accepted that. He said, you know what? Those things have happened. This has come upon me. It is not something I wanted. It was not something I desired. I was living and honoring God with my life. And yet this thing still happened. But what he did not do in, in a normal response, a response that, let's be honest, I hear quite often is, how could God do that to me? He didn't do that. He tore his clothes. It was an act of mourning before God. And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. And then chapter 2, and I'm not going to read all of that. I, I took some time. I, I wanted to read through that, but I want you to read. Read through chapter 2 and read on in the book of Job. And in chapter 2, Satan goes back to God. After he responds this way, he goes back to God and he said, Okay, I'm going to tell you why he still worshipped you. I'm going to tell you why he honored you. I'm going to tell you why this didn't break him. Because you, you took his wealth. You took his kids, but you didn't take his health. Take his health. And let's see what happens. 
What does he do? What happens? Does anybody know? He gets boils on his skin. I mean, he is, he is uh, to quote folks from Wayne County, he is eat up. All right? He's eat up. I mean, it's nasty. The Bible says he gets a broken pot. And he takes it and he scrapes. Now, I've never had boils. I don't know what that's all about. And I don't know why you would do that, but maybe that made it feel better. I don't know. But he got that. God said, he told Satan, he said, you can do anything you want to to him, but you cannot take his life. You can't kill him. But you can go ahead. Take his help. So he afflicted him. He was, in, he was in all this agony and in all this pain, and yet he, he didn't sin, and it was, but it was so bad and it was so hard. And, and the Bible says in Job chapter 2, verse 9, and I want us to look at that verse. I do have that available for you. It says, His wife said to him, You are still maintaining integrity. Why don't you curse God and die? He took your wealth, he's taken your children. He's taken your help. The only thing he didn't take was his wife, who was in his ear going, what is the matter with you, dude? Why don't you just curse God? Not? And I'm not saying anything negative about his wife. It's just an observation that all that other stuff was gone, and she's around on his shoulder going, yeah, got them balls on your skin. It'll show you for mocking me in childbirth. Yeah, now you have some pain. Her advice was for Job to give up. She said, God's not blessing you anymore. You're stuck in trouble. It has struck you now. And this isn't a time to worship God. This isn't a time to honor Him. Why don't you just curse Him for what He has done to us? She was angry. But he responded to her in Job chapter 2 verse 10. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And in all this, what? Job did not sin. In all this, he did not sin in what he said. He accepted the trouble because it had come and he trusted God enough to say, Lord, I know you're big enough to see me through this. Let me tell you something. There are times in my life when I get down, I get mealy mouth. I don't even know what that means. I've just heard people say it before. But I get poor mouthing and I get whiny and complaining. And one of the things that I am privileged to do is I get to be in people's homes and I, I, I see people in the hospital and, and I'm not happy that they're in the hospital but I, I do, in, I, I love being able to minister to people when they're in that time in their life and God will afford me the opportunity guys from time to time to go to Duke's, Duke Children's Hospital or Chapel Hill to the Children's Hospital have you ever been there? you ever been having a bad day and go there? when you're having a bad day y'all to just I mean, if you just can't get out of it, go up there. Because here's what you're going to find. You're going to find kids that are facing insurmountable odds, but they're happy. They're playing. They're loving life. See, most of my problems money will fix. 
all the money in the world won't fix what they're facing. I go there and I'm feeling that way. And I walk out of that hospital and I've said this before, but there has never been in, my, in 25 years of ministry, there's never been a time I've walked out of one of those hospitals that I haven't picked up the phone and called my wife and said, girl, we ain't got a problem in the world. We ain't got no problems. We're good. We got healthy babies. We got a roof over our head. Sure, somebody wanted to give me a million, I'd take it, but we ain't got no problems. Because they give all the money away in the world to just have that baby well. You ever been there? You ever done that? Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will worship and praise Him. I will accept what has come to me only through the lenses of knowing that I can do that supernaturally and knowing that He will never give up on me if I'll trust Him. He'll never give up. That He's my healer. He is, he is my deliverer. He is my everything we can do that in the midst of trouble, then it helps us go on to the second point in our talk today, and that is God helps me control my response. How many of you know that the way you respond to things is so incredibly important? I teach it to my children all the time. It isn't so much that things are gonna, good things are going to happen or bad things are going to happen. It's how you respond when those things happen. How do we respond? It's easy to respond and praise God when we get a promotion or the kids are doing great or there's, you know, filet mignon for dinner. <laughs> I mean, we love to respond joyfully then, but when it's hard, when we get bad news, God helps us control our response. We talked about it. I read it just a moment ago. Job chapter 1, verse 20, his response at this, it said, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground. And then he said this. He said, Naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. I can control my response. I can choose how I respond to something Difficult to something bad. And then number three, God helps me fix my focus. He helps me fix my focus. Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand on earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. We got the promise that we're going to see God one day. We got a promise 
that we're going to see him one day. That one day, if I fix my focus and I trust him with all my heart, that God is going to be faithful. And I'm going to see him one day. Why I'm going through all this, I have no idea. Why I'm facing the things I'm facing, I have no idea. I want you to look at the testimony of a lady who's going through something. She is in our church right now. She's part of our Mount Olive campus. And she is facing unbelievable circumstances. I cannot even begin to imagine the pressure that she is feeling. And yet, her eyes are fixed on Him. Hi, my name is Cindy Core. I'm happy to be able to be here with you today to share my testimony and what God has, has done and is doing in my life. Uh, back in April, my family, we were all excited because we were getting ready to close on our home. With that and with work and... Uh, Everything we were preparing for, I was going through an illness. Um, wasn't quite sure what it was. I was going back and forth to different doctors. And and the only thing I had been told was severe gastritis, which I took medication for and it didn't do anything. And a week later, I went to the ER at Duke University Hospital. My husband actually had an appointment at two. I wanted to get there early. So I decided to take off on my own and drive myself to the ER at Duke, which gave me plenty of time to talk to God. I remember one of the things I said to him when we were trucking down 40 was, I don't know what's in store, but I know you do. And no matter what, what transpires here today, I accept it and I will glorify you and all that I do and I will share with you, share you with as many people as I possibly can. Where we found out that I was stage four gastric cancer and that was hard for us to take but immediately I began to pray and uh, talk to God because I know that he already knew this day was coming he was already preparing me I know with with certainty that Jesus can heal me and uh, that's what I pray for, a healing. And that healing can come in many forms. It could come here on earth or it could come when he receives me into heaven. But I also understand that sometimes God's will is not our will. And sometimes there's things that we have to go through. It doesn't mean that God is not there. Um, every day, you know, I deal with different things on a daily basis. Some days are more challenging than others, like today. But when I have those days, I have to stop and I have to pray. And I pray and I just say, thank you, God, for all the blessings that you give me. Because I look around and I see my beautiful home and, and my children and all those blessings that I have. And out of the 45 years that I've been here, everything that God has given to me and my family, there's no way that I can sit and be sorry for myself. Do I have a bad illness? Yes. Uh, God allowed me to have that illness. Why? I'm not sure. But I know he has his reasons. And 
over time we'll see what they may be but one thing I do know is that I serve a merciful God I serve a great gracious God and he will bless continue to bless me and my family through this he will be here to help us endure whatever we have to endure and when it's over whether I'm here or gone he will continue to bless in ways through my family or others he is not just gonna abandon us I see so many people who when they see a good person die they think where was God God was right there he was right there beside them holding his hand he's always there it's just a matter of where are we at he doesn't walk away from us we walk away from him and I just can't imagine how hard it would be for someone to go through what I'm going through and not have God in their life to not have Jesus right there to help them through it because I can tell y'all even when you see me as a picture of strength it's not easy and it's not something that I would want my worst enemy to go through but I know that Jesus is there every moment and what gets me through it is in my hardest times I look at all of his blessings that he gives me each and every day so now here I am with a terminal illness and and to me I feel that opens me up to more people that I could relate with and talk with and share God with and that's what it's all about not what we do here on earth on a day-to-day -day basis but what we work towards as uh, where are we going to spend our eternity and when I stand in judgment I want I want to know that I had done things right that that I'm standing in judgment I'd love to be able to look down a line and someone say you know there's your fruit or there's your fruit what I can tell you mainly through this is if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior find him get a relationship with him help that relationship grow share your experiences with others share Jesus with others and I can tell you when devastation hits and you have Christ he is right there in the midst and he will help you and your family and anyone else through every single moment he will not abandon you I wake up every morning and I know that cancer is there you know doctors they didn't just say you had cancer they said it's everywhere in your abdomen and when you wake up in the morning and you feel it and you know it's there it's difficult but God is there for me and that's when I pray and say you know thank you God for waking me up thank you for my help I just worship him even in the hardest time of my life I worship him and I'm telling you that do that worship him whenever it doesn't even make sense to worship him when you're at your lowest and worst point in life take the time to to worship him worship that one that gives us life and and the one that is there for us to endure each and every moment in that life I look at it like this there's a lot of people out there who think they have the whole rest of their lives ahead of them a long time but honestly we none of us know what's gonna happen tomorrow um, we're never promised tomorrow and I, sometimes I look at it as 
I have been given a gift of knowing that, hey, something's coming up. <laughs> you know, we don't know when. So go ahead and get it right. And that's what I want to do. I want to use this illness and what's, what's happening with me and with my family, even though it's hard. And it can be frightening. You have to trust and have faith in the good Lord that he's going to pull us through this and we're going to be better for it. One day we'll be at the end of this chapter. And I'd like to be able to say <laughs> that I share God with as many people as I possibly could and to thank him for allowing him to use me with this illness to help others. Respond. How are we going to respond when it doesn't make sense in our life? I love Cindy because she inspires me. She inspires me that even though she's facing insurmountable odds, the doctors have looked at her and, and said, most people live a year. 45 years old. Beautiful family just bought a house this year. Their dream home. Yet, she worships God through the pain, through the knowledge that this is something that she's facing. What are you facing today? Let me ask you this question. First and foremost, are you facing it alone? And if you are, there's absolutely no reason you should be. If you're facing it alone, you need to ask Jesus right now to help you. If you've never asked Him into your heart and life, invite Him in right now. Say, Lord, I receive you into my life. And then, God, I ask you to help me as I navigate whatever it is in my life that I'm facing. It may not be what Cindy's facing. And the worst thing you could do is leave today and say, well, I'm not facing what she's facing, so, so I really shouldn't even complain. And all we're doing is just burying something that is burdening our heart and we're not dealing with it and we're not letting God in to help us with it. You need to acknowledge it. You need to be real about it. And then you need to say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. Now listen, worship is a lifestyle. One of the things we're going to do today is we're going to go out of here. We're going to say with a resounding voice, God, I put my faith and my trust and my hope in You. And we're going to do it going out praising. We're going to do it lifting up the name of Jesus. We're going to look whatever it is that we're facing square in the nose. And say, with the help of Almighty God, I will overcome. Because He has overcome. 
And if He has overcome and won the victory, then my victory is won. Father, thank You for what You are doing in this place today. Thank You, God, for sharing Your Word with us and helping us hear Your voice. And now, God, as we go out of this place, may we do it responding to You by faith. If the response, first and foremost, is, Lord, I need You and I receive You in my life, then God, may that happen right now in this moment. And then, Lord, after we make that decision, we want to worship You. We want to praise You. We're going to go out of this place singing and honoring You. And what I want us to do, Lord, is through eyes of faith, I want us to look at that mountain and say, be moved. In the name of Jesus, be moved. Yeah, there's an obstacle. Yeah, there's a difficult thing. Yes, there's a trial in my life. Maybe there's a terminal illness that I'm facing. But God, I choose to worship You. I choose to look heavenward. And not down. And say Lord thank you for the blessings. I choose to see the blessings God. Let them flow in my life. And when the bad times happen God. Help me to be. A demonstration of your love to the world. Lord may I be a testimony. To who you are. Though you slay me, Job said, yet will I serve you. I will worship you. I will love you. And I will honor you. Lord, whatever you do, I'm never going to turn my back on you. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We worship you with all of our heart. Would you make it your declaration of faith today as you stand right now, as we go out of here singing, would you declare, no matter what it is I'm facing, I'm going to trust God and I know He's enough to see me through it. Would you?